8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. And we'll have a podcast of that discussion with uh, Andris Kluyama, uh, going for 5% with Arang uh, and, and him as the big hitter. I must say, from the smaller parties, his, uh, his percentage vote in terms of expectations for that election is amongst the most realistic of the lot. Some of the others have gone, goodness, they've just ballooned skywards in terms of what they're going to get. And the ironic part is the the voting trends suggest completely differently to what they say. 60%, I know we had Mzwanele uh, Manye saying ATM will get 60, Azapo said it'll perform very well, PAC said, and these are all parties absolutely struggling up to now or new brand new parties and they believe they're going to do well as you know Cloudy what's the next party well he believes he's going to be the president as well so he's going to lead and so will will ATM amongst many others but uh, Ahang saying they in fact they get 5% they will be thrilled is that underachieving or is that being realistic maybe more realistic but let's stay with the issue of realistic um, once again in terms of the realistic issues of what's really going on in the northwest Lots of changes. The weekend papers had something like what Supra versus Ramaphosa, something along that line uh, in terms of just this battle for the mines there. What actually has been going on? There's some developments there. Let's find out with uh, Professor Andre Duvenacher. We chat to him often around the issues of Northwest. Uh, he's a political scientist at, at Northwest University. Uh, Professor Duvenacher, good chatting to you once again. Hello. Prof, good hello. Good chatting to you. Yes, I, I can hear you. Thank you for your time. Right, now, two weeks ago we spoke about what ifs. Uh, there was a, a ruling to get uh, Supra uh, Mahoma Pella to return. What, what has happened since then? Then we'll talk about where to next for, for the ruling party. Well, I think uh, just from a historical point of view, the history of the whole Northwest is a history of two centers of power. And the point we reached where there was only one center of power, we had extreme forms of state capture, corruption, and nepotism under the real leadership of Mr. Supramuamupelu. Then we had the big incident about a year ago when there was violence, and that led to the axing of uh, Mr. Muamupelu, and now he won two court cases to reinstate him. And the NEC's decision initially was to appeal this case to see if they can continue until after the election. Because, in short, they need to keep cohesion and unity within the structures of the ANC at least until the election. But it was quite clear that the power base of Mr. Mohamopelu in Northwest was, was of such a nature that they need to get negotiations going behind the scenes and to come to some sort of a conclusion and a compromise. And this seems to be the case at the moment. It seems as if they reach some sort of a compromise. My understanding is that Mr. Mohamopelu didn't accept a position in Parliament and or a position as ambassador in a foreign country. He wants to become a minister and he wants his elite to be safeguarded in a new dispensation. So that is currently the trade-off behind the scenes. But what is very interesting at this point is the incidents involving Sisi Kotwa 
and Pulema, uh, mm, which mm. I believe is part of the same bigger struggle on a national level between the Zuma forces and the Ramaphosa forces. All right, let's and let's stay let's stay with that. Let's stay with that part. What has happened? I understand they've both been sort of, or they both stepped down from being spokespersons of the ANC for the moment, uh, around, around allegations of Repule Mabe, in fact, has been cleared, right? What, what When you say part of the same problem, explain why you say what you say? Yes, basically because uh, there, there's a big power play going on within the structures of the ANC between the Zuma group and the Ramaphosa group. And one of the strong powerhouses of the Zuma group is Northwest, also the Free State and KZN. And for Ramaphosa, it was very important to get control over Northwest. And he did it through the PTT and other structures, enforcing it top-down. And now the court cases decide in the opposite direction. And this was empowering the Supra group. So it's, all of this is part of the big fight. And it's interesting, or it will be interesting to see if Mr. Ramaphosa can keep unity. When it comes to government, he seems to be very strong in control. But when it comes to the ANC, it seems as if he's a lot more vulnerable. And I believe Mr. Eismacher Schule and others are using his vulnerable position to their advantage. There are rumors going around that Mr. Eismacher Schule is a very important actor in terms of the conflict from the side of the Zuma camp. So where, where do you see this, in a, and I welcome callers, but where, where do you see this playing out then? You know, because you're quite right. In fact, I mean, the, the, the ruling, the court ruling has effectively put the president on the back foot, right? Absolutely, with, without any doubt. I am working with three scenarios when it comes to the election. The first scenario I am calling business as usual. I'm working with uh, the perspective of the old statesman, Jan Christian Smits, arguing that the best and the worst won't happen. We will muddle through somewhere in between all these things, the status quo that is going to worsen. That's the one perspective. The other one is what I call a new dawn, where Mr. Ramaphosa keeps control. He's in a strong position. He can bring about constructive changes on all levels, acting against corruption, getting the economy to grow, etc., but the third one, I'm calling Grand Rapids Whitewaters. And that is an environment of severe instability. And just this evening, I received some information indicating that the conflict within the structures of the ANC is intensifying. And it has a lot to do with this investigation with regard to state capture and the Zondu Commission and so on. And my concern is, if the unity within the ANC is falling apart, then we are probably in a phase where uh, Whitewaters and Grand Rapids are highly likely. Hopefully, we are not heading in that direction. My observation at this point is that it is not the most likely scenario. Most likely is the in-between scenario, but our best case is where Ramaphosa keep control, and he take us through this uh, trouble. And I think we are going to need a statesman to take us through this process because there's major challenges, not only within the ANC, but also with regard to the biggest state and society 
on all levels, politically, economically, and socially. Well, we need a statesman. Where's that statesman going to come from? It has to come from within the ANC, isn't it? Well, it must come from within the ANC, and I believe the best one at this point is, in fact, Mr. Ramaphosa. I think, honestly, (laughs) that he can position us there, but it's going to be very challenging. But why would it be? I mean, I understand he's the president, but if he's the president and he comes across as holding up one side of of a divided ANC in a divided province, why why would he then be the best person? Surely he'd be uh, be dismissed in terms of that. I think if you look at the qualities we need, we need a person with a strategic vision, we need a person who is balanced, we need a person who can bring together the diversity within South Africa. Now, there's never, when it comes to a statesman, there's never a perfect set of circumstances. There are always major challenges, and uh, hopefully, He can overcome these challenges, but I must tell you, my assessment is that the Zuma group is very strong and very influential on a number of levels. And his biggest challenge of all of them is lying within the ANC. And there I am in complete agreement with uh, Stianosen's assessment of the state of the nation when he told the president, your enemies are behind you and your opposition is in front of you, or something like that. And my assessment is, if he can overcome the ANC thing with this election, we are probably closer to that point. But the main challenge within the framework of that. Lots to talk about there. Let's get to, let's get your opinions, your calls. What do you make of what's actually going on there in the Northwest? And, and can the, the, the divisions, uh, and this is really a division of one party, can they rise above these faction fights, uh, do they not see that it's harming the province? Will it harm the province? Will it harm the political party, in this case the ANC, in the election itself? What, in fact, according to you, is the way forward? And that point brought by my guest, Professor Duvenaco, was saying the one person who can solve it is the, is the president. And I'm not too sure whether you are as convinced as he is around that issue. Let's get some, uh, let's get some thoughts here. Gerald from Durban, go ahead, hi. Ah, sure. Yeah, go ahead, General. Hi. Yes, I just think, look, uh, what comes through on this radio station is often just very biased opinions. I mean, this anti-super group, for whatever reason, it was basically a case of mob rule. They basically burnt out half of my king to get rid of super on the basis that he was corrupt. And the, the professor... Oh, Gerald, we may have lost Gerald. Call back. Uh, I did hear the early part that what comes across is just a very biased opinion. But if we can connect with Gerald once again, let's do that. Let's, however, you can tweet us, hashtag SFM Viewpoint. And if you are WhatsApp voice noting us, maximum 30 seconds, please. 0614-104-107. I believe there's a couple of voice notes we can play now. Hi, Ashraf and South Africans. I should think the ANC, um, NEC or NWC, they are making a mistake. Really, Supra is, 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 Supra needs to to go out of politics in the northwest, so that the ANC can win that province. You know, at least there's an opportunity that Saudi gave to us. Saudi said he wants Supra to join him and Jacob Zuma. Why can't the ANC let this man go? Really, it's Eddie from Ondas Thank you. 
Why can't the ANC let this man go? Is it as straightforward as that or rather complicated? Uh, Professor Dumanaka, perhaps respond to that from, from any... Uh, I didn't hear 100%, but uh, I will, uh, will react to the last point, and that is the one about Supra. It's not that easy to get the so-called strong men of politics out of politics. He's very influential in this part, at least he has a lot of support at the grassroots level and also within parts of the regime. And Mr. Uh, Supramomopelu know that if he's going to leave the province, he is outside his power base. So he will keep the power close to him. It's not that easy to remove such a person. The risk for Mr. Ramaphosa removing Mr. Momopelu is that he will lose a lot of support within the province, with the possibility of these alternative parties to be uh, activated. And we are talking about groupings like the Mayabuya African Congress, the African Transformation Movement, etc. So it's a high-risk game for Mr. Ramaphosa to act against his opposition, especially before the election. But I believe after the election, it may be a completely different ballgame. Mm. But, but it, does, it does say, and, and let me ask the obvious thing, it, it does come across then that these political leaders who purport to lead uh, their political parties and then uh, executives, whether it's provincial or national, of our country, ultimately, they, they, it appears, and I'm choosing my words carefully, it appears that they are driven ultimately by their own personal interest or the interest of factions, not in the interest of the country. Am I stating something that's so obvious that we're not talking about, or what? No, I, I'm in agreement with your viewpoint. I think uh, politics is about power, and power is about influence and how you can work in terms of the one or the other interest. Now, within a democracy, the main argument is you need to put common good in front of everything, and all politicians and leaders need to work in terms of the common good. But unfortunately, this is not the case when it comes to many states throughout the world and related leadership. And if we just look at the content of state capture and what is all implicated, it is quite clear to me that it is not about the common good. It's all about the private good. And I'm afraid that many leaders, can you can put many of them within that specific category. And that, if it's true, is very disappointing. What do you as a listener make of that statement by uh, Professor Andre, uh, Andre Duvenacher. Uh, I want to pick up on a point from the call from Gerald before we lost him about, you know, biased opinions and just, just people, even like the prof, just stating a one-sided view is another way to look at this. We'll get to that in a moment. It's Cancer Shaveathon time, so let's give color to hope. Go to your nearest participating shopping center on 2 March. Shave, spray, or donate your hair in support of cancer survivors. Get your workplace, school, or sports club to host a Shaveathon from 4 to 8 March. For more info, visit shaveathon.org.za or call Cancer toll free on 0800-226622. This is a SABC Foundation supported initiative. An identity document gives you access to many things in life. But for those South Africans struggling to get one, life can be tough. Catch Ilungelolako on Monday at midday to find out what challenges come with not having an ID. 
The program repeats every Thursday night at 11 o'clock on SABC One. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. Professor uh, Andre Duvenache with me. He's a political scientist at the University of Northwest. We're talking about issues in his hood, in his neighborhood, in the Northwest. And that's regarding the ANC Northwest uh, leader, Supra Mahumapelo. He, of course... Um, very happy that the National Executive Committee decision to collapse the PEC, which is a provincial executive and provincial task teams in favor of brokering peace between the warring groups. Now, Professor Duvanaka, just, just just respond to um, that call that we, we lost uh, effectively then from um, uh, from Gerald, suggesting that there appears to be sort of one-sided narratives, including including yours. There's a lack of objectivity and looking at two sides to this. You, you want to comment on that? Uh, I didn't hear his full argument clearly, but uh, my point of departure is that there are two centers of power, and the whole battle is between these two centers of power. On the one side, we have the Ramaphosa lines, represented by Job Mohoro and the PTT. On the other side, we have uh, Supramo Amopelu and his support base, and it's clear that they are fighting it out in terms of a power struggle. And uh, I cannot see that uh, this is uh, a perspective that is not objective. When it comes to the level of justification, you can argue this from a number of uh, viewpoints. What is clear is that uh, Mr. Muamopelu got the edge when he received the, 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 the outcome of the two court cases which was to his advantage, and at the same time, there was reaction coming from the NEC. Then we had negotiations, and it seems to, uh, to, uh, to be a compromise behind the scenes. And I believe this is a relative, objective interpretation of what is going on at the moment. The outplay of this, this we need to analyze in terms of scenario techniques, Many things are possible. I believe it's still a long time before the 8th of May, and many things can happen in between. And we certainly see what is, in fact, going to happen. Well, well, maybe just let me pick up on that. When you say many things, what are the various possibilities of playing out here before May the 8th? Well, a number of things. I'm picking up rumors of parties working closer together with each other, uh, thinking about opposition parties at this point. We are looking at the increase of support for certain groupings like the EFF, the Freedom Front Plus, as well as the IFP, indicating on certain levels, higher levels of polarization. We are looking, and that is the main variable, what will happen within the structures of the ANC. If they can keep unity, my assessment is they can probably go out with a mid-50, 54, 55% in that order. But if there's disunity within the structures, it may drop below the percentage of 50%. And then we may see coalition politics and, to a certain extent, the reconfiguration of the political spectrum. The big thing that can play itself out is the way these strong men, and now I'm referring to the Eismachesules, the Supramoamupelus, and the, the leadership in KZN. How will they adapt or accept these realities? And 
what will be their strategies on the one side and what will be the counter strategies coming from government and the Ramaphosa lines within the AG. It's all very, very complex. How, so how will this affect then the election itself? Because you did say up till May 8th, you know, so I mean, let's take, for example, one is the election list. Then how does that convince voters who are observing what's happened there? And of course, the point you made about Pulemabe and, and uh, Zizi Kodwa and, and many other things around, around the ruling party and, and wondering what is actually going on. How, how, do, how do they vote for, with confidence for a party? In that well, that is, that is one of the big questions about this election. We had a long tradition of people consistently voting for their respective choices, whoever and whatever. But uh, the point at the moment is it seems as if there are changes on the cards. The ANC is no more a coherent unit, and we aren't sure how the ANC support base is going to react. Some indications are telling us that especially the urban parts of the black constituency is very strong aligned with a person like Ramaphosa, while the more traditional orientated groupings are more aligned to the Zumas. That's one, one of the characteristics. And it's not sure how these interest groups are going to react. Then another complicating factor is how will COSATU and the SACP react to many things. COSATU, for example, how will they react against job losses within the context of ESCOM, maybe the SABC, and many others? Because our economy is in crisis and they follow a strategy that is clearly in conflict with the viewpoints of Finance Minister Titu Mboeni and others. The same we can apply to the Democratic Alliance. They made huge inroads in the local elections in 2016 on the urban, specifically the black urban middle class. Mm. Are they going to keep that support base or are the support base going to drop? The same is applicable to the EFF. And my indication is that their populist approach is giving them extra and additional support. The point I like to make is there's a lot of uncertainties in this election. And at this point, we cannot be 100% sure how this will play out. There are, however, some features in South African politics since 1994 in election terms that we can take as guidelines. One is that people vote in terms of a racially orientated census racially or culturally in some mm, way. Mm, mm. The second one is that if you choose a certain party, you stick with the party. If you become uncomfortable with the party, you are not leaving for another party. You are just staying out of politics. So these are some of the tendencies. The big question at this point, and that is the question for the scenario analysts, are we going to see consistency and continuity or are we going to see changes okay and my assumption at this point is we are going to see some changes well there we are so that's in between changes and consistency which is some changes uh from victoria go ahead hello um i just want to ask the analyst i don't know i don't know his name if which method did you use to reach those scenarios which scientific method or you're just 
speculating like this prophet because it, so, it doesn't sound scientific what you're saying. The current by-elections should be used as a basis for you to argue all these scenarios. But it, it sounds like you're not using those uh, recent by-elections. So which method did you use to reach those scenarios? Thank you so much. All right, got that. Thank you for that uh, call, uh, Professor Juvenal. Uh, it's a combination of things. The first thing, we are looking at election results and patterns of from 1994 until the latest elections. And we are looking for consistencies and we are looking for changes. That is the historical line. Then secondly, we are working with uh, certain analysis made by certain organizations like Ipsos Markinor in terms of their a methodological assessment of voter support, so also the Institute of Race Relations and their projections in terms of an election. Then I'm also looking at the analysis of some political parties. I believe specifically the Democratic Alliance has a very scientific approach when it comes to support base. And you will pick up in terms of uh, some of these analyses Initially, they put the support base of the ANC around 60%, but the most latest are indicating lower levels of support. At best, we are trying to predict what may happen. This is not an absolute or exact science. This is working with certain variables, predicting certain possible outcomes. Politics, as is the case with social sciences, is never an exact science. But this is my conclusion in terms of all the factors I related to. It certainly is never a, a perfect science. Let's go back to the issue of Zizi Kotwar and Pulimabe and your understanding of how, of, of maybe not the intricacies, because we don't quite know, but, but, but how the ANC and these individuals have handled it. Well, uh, to start with, uh, I heard the newspapers and I heard the conspiracy theories that this was a setup and so on and so on. What is clear to me is it's a time of dirty tricks in politics. You know some of the allegations made against Pavin Gordon and Senzu Muchunu a time ago mm-hmm. with regard to black uh, specialists in certain areas and uh, the so-called discrimination in this regard. Then we have the Sisi Kotwa thing and the Pule Mabe thing. I am not necessarily arguing that they are innocent, but I'm questioning the timing of these releases. It seems as if there's a political agenda behind the scenes. And I'm again saying this is for court to assess if they are guilty or not guilty. But at this point in time, is going to have a major effect on Ramaphosa. The one is the national spokesperson, and the other one is the head of office in, in the presidency. So they are very important factors in terms of the Ramaphosa political strategy and his control over the party. In that sense, people are asking questions if Mr. Uh, Mahashule and others are not involved in this. The same questions was asked when uh, Supramuan Pelu won the two court cases. Did the SG provide 
who was the best information at that point. So I'm sure there's a political game going on. And in some instances, we need to differentiate between the political game and the legal game. But I believe, honestly, that there are some dirty tricks going around at this point. And, 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 the, and the dirty tricks are a, are a big concern. How, how does it, just the last thing, that in terms of, you know, they've now, whether they've been voluntarily stepping down as spokespeople or the ANC has asked them, well, whichever, they're not acting as spokespeople uh, or persons right now. What impact does that have at this very crucial time? Because, I mean, that, those investigations can take weeks, it can take far longer, but, but the clock is ticking in terms of two months to election time. Yes, uh, and I think that was the strategy behind the scenes just to get them out of position to disrupt the Ramaphosa effort. And you are quite right, these investigations can take a long time. And from what we have seen with regard to Nshlanjla Nene and others, when people of the Ramaphosa government end up in trouble, they are going out of their position. And that was not the strategy of the Zuma group. When they were in power, it was quite the opposite. But give credit to Mr. Ramaphosa, he's trying to keep the so-called moral high ground of politics. So I believe it was the right decision uh, to let uh, Mr. Mabe and Sisi Kotwa leave the environment, at least until there's more clarity about their positions. What we can say is that the ANC and government is a big organization. I believe they will find people to replace them. But clearly, to me, this is more of a political strategy than anything else. Okay. And it has a lot to do with the internal conflict within the is there, is there one, just in 30 seconds, one final thought you'd wish to leave us with? Uh, I think we are in very interesting and very dynamic times in the build-up to the election. And this election may be a watershed election on a number of levels between stability and instability and between democracy and non-democracy. And voters need to think very clear before they vote for which party and which policy. This may be very important and is a very important democratic test ahead of us. Okay, and that's where we're going to leave you. Thank you for your time, as always. Uh, Professor Andre Duvenach, who's a political scientist at the University of Northwest, talking about scenarios in the Northwest, very much ANC versus ANC, and, and how that plays out on the national stage as well.